prop conversation is coming up as we pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Kyle Soppy, Pro Football Network. Follow all of their work over at pfnbetting.com. Kyle, it's Bob and Kayla. We hope you're just as excited as we are uh, heading into this Friday. Come on. Anybody that's in this industry is this excited. I can't wait for the weekend. This is the best weekend of the playoffs because you've got games both days. You've got plenty of quarterbacks. You've got teams coming off a bye. There is nothing not to like. I'm with you. I am excited more than I've been for any game this or any week this postseason. Fantastic. Well, let's get into it here with Divisional Weekend being here. Uh, how much do you factor in or can you factor in teams coming off of a bye? And in the Ravens' case, uh, kind of sitting for two whole weeks. They didn't play in Week 18. And then teams that are coming off of Wild Card Weekend, does any of that factor into what you think potentially could or could not happen with any rust? Or is that just all narrative-based and doesn't really factor into just looking at the numbers and, and what you think is going to happen for the weekend i think there's something to it and you mentioned baltimore and san fran bunched a lot of their guys for their final week too so you're looking at a few teams that are really really rested and you get the whole rust rest conversation but numerically when you're trying to beat the books and everything they have all that information they know what's coming it's not like it's shocking news that baltimore that lamar jackson didn't play the last two weeks that's not something that you're getting an edge on so anything you think you can you get away with or take or leverage on the books there it's not really going to happen. Yes, I think it impacts the outcome if you're trying to draft DFS, if you're, if you're in a pick em pool, something like that. But in the props market or in the, any real gambling sector here, I don't think you're gaining anything by trying to overvalue something like that because the books are well aware. There's no secret these guys didn't play. So I wouldn't overthink that portion of it. Lamar Jackson has not had a good postseason history. Obviously, hasn't played the postseason in the last two years. Any apprehension about Jackson because of his uh, playoff failures past? No, I mean, every playoff, every postseason in and of itself, and then every game within every postseason is, is its own animal. I'm not too worried about the past here. He's in a good spot. He's in a good matchup here. Obviously, the heavy favorite. We think that they're going to be able to exploit this Houston defense a little bit. Quick passes. I'm on Lamar Jackson over completions and attempts this week. I think they go that avenue. I don't think they have a whole lot of success through the traditional run game. So I, I, he's the MVP of the league. I think they're going to put the ball in his hands to make plays, and I, I trust him to do it. Uh, as it is right now, it looks like uh, 19 and a half completions and 28 and a half attempts is the over under for Lamar Jackson. It is uh, 225 and a half yards for him through the air. Receiving wise, I think going into this, this is the best overall receiving core that he's had. Uh, Zay Flowers, 47 and a half yards. OBJ, 37 and a half yards. Is there a particular direction that you see them trying to facilitate the ball to? Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of the short stuff, which leans Zay Flowers over Odell Beckham if you're going the receivers. But with Mark Andrews out for another week, I see no reason not to go back to Isaiah Likely if you're trying to go overs. If you want to go under, you can just flip this on his head and go under on Odell. But Isaiah Likely, he's just been a man among boys. I think he's going to work his way onto the field when Mark Andrews is back. But because that's not this week, because I favor the short passing game in a spot where I don't think they're going to be able to run, Isaiah Likely, if you're looking for overs, that's the direction I'm going. His prop is under that of Flowers. You're talking 37 and a half yards for an athletic profile like that. It's the tight end position. They could get 60, 70% of that on a single catch. I think Baltimore is working with a lead, and if they're doing that, it's because Isaiah Likely was helping them move the chains, pick up third downs. I like over receptions and receiving yards for Likely. 
C.J. Stroud has been amazing most of his rookie season. Not as good on the road. Uh, the Ravens' defense has been really good almost every week this season. Do we consider any Stroud under bets? Do, we, uh, do I dare think about that? Yeah, I think you do. And that's a sharp angle by you with the home road splits. I like where you're going there. This Baltimore defense is no joke. They're top five in the NFL and just about everything you want to look at. We talked about fading rookie quarterbacks last week. Obviously, you got burned by that if you went against Stroud. But now the narrative is in our favor. Everybody's jumping on the Stroud bandwagon. I think this is a great spot to fade really any Stroud-oriented prop because the numbers are a little high for my liking based off of what he did last week with the historic efficiency, touchdowns, deep passes, all of that stuff. And in that vein, I'm going under for Nico Collins' receiving yards. Baltimore's got the lowest opponent passer rating on deep passes. And when Nico doesn't catch multiple deep passes in a game this year, under 46 yards per game, that's almost half of his total. They're looking at 80, 85, depending where you look for his receiving props. So I'm going under on Nico Collins, given that Noah Brown's on IR, Tank Dell's on IR. I don't know if they're going to have much success running the ball. I'm not sure they're going to even have the ball all that often. So Nico is my favorite play in that game. Kyle Sapi, Pro Football Network. Follow all of their work over at pfnbetting.com here in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. You know what's awesome about these games, though, is that the betting market also adds so many more props because we've narrowed yeah. in the contest here. So I want to kind of get into the weeds with you here. Justin Matabuke, he's been absolutely unbelievable for the Ravens this season. He's sitting to record a sack at minus 115. Jadavian Clowney is sitting at plus 116 to record a sack. Do you like any sack props here for the Ravens? If I was going to go that direction, I think it would be Clowney, knowing that he's got the athletic profile, he can get out, and they're going to get creative. They move him around here. I know he's 30 years old, going on 31 on Valentine's Day here. He's, he's getting up there a little bit in age. He's no longer the first overall pick that we remember. But this is a revenge spot for him, so that's a narrative if you want that in there. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy with experience, a guy with the athletic profile to get out. And if C.J. Stroud and company are trailing, they're playing from behind at the pass-heavy script. I don't mind going with either one of them. And at those prices, you could play both of them at varying price levels here and break even if one gets there. So I don't mind that avenue. I think this Baltimore defense is in for a big day against a rookie quarterback. On to the other game tomorrow. Aaron Jones has rushed for more than 100 yards in four consecutive games. Obviously had the three touchdowns last week against the Cowboys. Could have been more if they needed to leave him on the field longer. Uh, you know, the perception of the Niners' defense may not exactly be the reality of the Niners' defense. Their rush defense has had some not-so-good moments. So do we suggest an anytime touchdown for Jones or rushing yards over props for Jones? If I'm going to go that direction, I think it would be anytime touchdown because that's a little less game script dependent. If you're going the rushing yards, you're telling the story that Green Bay's keeping this thing close and that they can stay committed to the run, whereas if you're betting the anytime touchdown market, you get the you get the outs with receptions. We know he's a viable option in the passing game. A.J. Dillon doesn't really scare me. We've seen him under four yards per carry for his career. Not really a threat there. I think he walked this summer, so we'll see where that goes. If I'm going with the Packers, I'm telling the story. Listen, I'm a Packers fan. I would love to be wrong here, but I think San Fran controls this game start to finish. So if I'm going Aaron Jones rushing yards, it would be more likely to lean under than over, thinking that the game script does him no favors and this is Green Bay offense is playing from behind early and often. 
So the weakness for the 49ers uh, is their secondary here. Is there potentially some opportunities for maybe one play to get kind of loose, if you will? So instead of looking at Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed as their overall receiving props, instead then looking at longest reception props, Romeo Dobbs at 17 and a half yards, Jaden Reed at 19 and a half yards, or is that kind of thinking uh, off base and you should just stick with the total yards for the game? I think you're getting cute here, but that's not, not the bad, not the worst idea. I mean, we've got the Super Bowl coming up where we're going to have an encyclopedia of options, so I don't mind where you're going there. Romeo Dobbs, we know he's capable of the big play, as is Jaden Reed, but with Jaden Reed, they try to get him those low dot throws, and then he makes plays after the catch. Not really too confident in him being able to do that. I guess the San Fran defense has missed the second fewest tackles this season, so if you're going to go that and you want to go the over market, I would go Romeo Dobbs. I think they're throwing off, and I said that earlier with the Aaron Jones fade. So if they're going to be throwing often, Dobbs is going to get his chances to make plays down the field. I mean, you're talking about he had the 46-yard catch against the Cowboys last week, a couple 30-yarders in December. So the option is there. The door is open for him to make a play. I'm not crazy about it, but I would be more likely to play the over in longest reception than I would be receiving yards. Buccaneers at Lions indoors. Jared Goff has been mostly excellent at home as a Lion, but he has struggled more than occasionally against the Blitz, and that's what Todd Bowles does. So, Kyle, I'm confused. Help me solve my my confusion and my dilemma here. You're not confused. You kept this perfectly. He's a different guy at home, but that Blitz, that travels, my friend. That travels in a big way. You said the Buccaneers, the Blitz-heaviest playoff team, and – so I was looking at that. I'm like, if they're going to be blitzing all the time and the Lions are going to be throwing, I think I don't think either team runs the ball at all in this game. So I think you're going to see a pass-heavy script both ways, no matter who's winning or losing. So I was wondering who are the most targeted per-route players on Detroit when the blitz is coming, because we know the blitz is coming. Jameer Gibbs on a per-route basis leads that. Amon Ross St. Brown is second. Josh Reynolds is dead last, under 16%. After he had the big game last week against his former employer in the Rams, I'm looking Josh Reynolds under because he's not featured in the slot, which is where Tampa Bay is vulnerable. He's not featured when they're blitzing or against the blitz. Excuse me. So I think Josh Reynolds is a nice fade the fade the curve here. He went up. He went made me look like an idiot. I was on his under last week, 80 yards last week against the Rams. I think it drops back to earth in a major way this week. Kyle Sapi, Pro Football Network. Follow all of their work over at pfnbetting.com. I want to go back to the 49ers and Packers game for just a minute here. If you're feeling a little, you know, squeamish about the nine and a half spread, how do you assess looking at first half or first quarter spreads? First quarter for the uh, 49ers, minus two and a half. First half sitting at minus six and a half. Yeah, it's the hook there that, didn't scare me too much on the 49ers first half. I'm, I'm always iffy about taking first line or first quarter lines just because you, you don't know who's starting with the ball. It's one possession. You, if the Packers score out of the gate, you're in trouble there. So I'm going to go, I'll lay the points and go with the 49ers thinking that they w- could win the first half by at least seven points in the first half of losses this season. The Packers are scoring just six and a half points per game in the first half of wins. So if we're telling the story that the 49ers win this game, in the first half of wins of the season, the 49ers over 17 points per game in those first 30 minutes. So that's the direction I would go, thinking that they get on the board twice early. Green Bay's playing from behind. Maybe a turnover could flip the script there. In eight of 12 wins this season, the 49ers have won the first half by at least a touchdown. I think that's the case on Sunday. 
Okay, back for me, uh, the Lions and, and the Buccaneers. Uh, the Lions have allowed a lot of big plays to wide receivers uh, much of the season, including last week. Uh, Mike Evans, I assume he's been working on the uh, with the with the jugs gun this week and catching. Uh, you know, he did dropped a couple of passes last week. I don't think that's going to happen again. So, I'm asking uh, Mike Mike Evans over props. Does that have your attention? Is that a good idea? I think he definitely bounces back. I mean, he had his lowest drop rate in quite some time this season, and then he gets on the big stage with the big lights, and he's dropping passes left and right. So I think you're right to think that that regresses to the mean that what we've seen over almost a decade of Mike Evans is a lot more predictive than what we saw over the last 60 minutes. So, yes, I'm in on Mike Evans. I'm, I'm betting him to score a touchdown more than I am over under props. I think he gets into the end zone. Probably should have gotten there last week. We know that he's a touchdown maker. And when it comes to this matchup, you're looking at a spot where yards per catch after the reception on touchdowns. I know that's a complicated stat, but it's awfully low. What that basically means is that they give up a lot of touchdowns when your feet are already in the red zone, in the end zone. And that is what Mike Evans does with that size profile. Baker Mayfield playing the way he is. We know he's, he's cooking right now. There's no other way to say it. The Baker is cooking, and that is where Mike Evans thrives. I like him to get into the end zone, basically even money right now. Kyle Sabi, Pro Football Network, pfnbetting.com. Going into the Chiefs and the Bills contest here, the Bills linebackers, secondary, a bit depleted here. So could this potentially mean Travis Kelsey throws back the clock, has a big day, his number is dipped enough to maybe having some value at 61 and a half yards, or does he finally buck this trend of not scoring touchdowns and finding himself in the end zone? I think you could go either way on their primary pass catchers here, Rasheed Rice or... Travis Kelsey, or both for that matter. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, 8-1-1 against the spread as an underdog, with the majority of those games going over the number. The team total has been hitting in these spots. And if that's going to happen, one of those two guys, if not both, should go off against the Bills defense that's second lowest in opponent ADOT. They want to die by a 1,000 paper cuts. And Patrick Mahomes, in his playoff career, has been willing to kill you that way, with his ADOT dropping almost 15%. So both are viable in the short passing game, I do prefer Rice props a little to that of Kelsey because he's such a yak monster that they're motivated to get him the ball quick and in a hurry. Second to only Debo Samuel in yak per reception this season. So I'm going to see Rice to, to build on the momentum that he had last week, but I don't think he can go wrong with Travis Kelsey. I do think he bounces back. I just have a little less confidence in him going over his numbers. I'm going to stick with that game and with the Chiefs offense. Isaiah Pacheco missed the first meeting of the season because of injury, the first meeting against the Bills because of injury. Uh, Pacheco, anytime touchdown or over rushing yards, you know, with all these linebacker and defensive back injuries for uh, for Buffalo, I think that if he gets past the the original, you know, defensive front, he could make he could do some damage in this game. He certainly could. He's one of the best runners in the game. I mean, this guy, just tackling him in the winter feels like a pain, and it's going to be cold in Buffalo. I don't think it's going to be what it was last week. But, I mean, you're talking 24 carries last week against the Dolphins. If he gets anything close to that, and obviously they controlled that game, but they could do that. They could beat Buffalo. I'm not against that. The, the thought here is the game script could be a little bit of a concern if they want to put the ball in Mahomes' hands. Obviously, they're a road underdog in this spot, So I, but I have no issue. No issue at all. This Buffalo defense is playing better. So if they want to buckle down, get back to basics, and just keep feeding my guy, the Rock, I mean, I, I don't see any issue in that. He's got at least 18 carries in three of his last four games. And if he's getting that total, he's more than likely getting into the end zone. And one of those runs is going to rip off in a big way. In those three games with at least 18 carries, he's got at least a 23-yard 
run in all of them. I know that everyone is billing this as the Mahomes versus uh, Allen game, but how about the Pacheco versus James Cook game? Since week nine, James Cook is averaging over 100 yards of total scrimmage yards. His rushing and receiving number, though, sitting at 84 and a half yards, and you'd have to think that the Chiefs will be looking to find answers to key in on him. Uh, What do we do with James Cook this week? Yeah, I don't mind going that direction in a significant way. I do worry a little bit about the trajectory of this offense. They've got Dalton Kincaid back, so they're going with two tight end sets. Gabe Davis really hasn't been a thing, and they're dialing back Stefan Diggs where he's been successful. He hasn't been successful down the field. So you're looking at death by a 1,000 paper cuts, like I said earlier, where it's a lot in the short passing game. And if that's what Kansas City's defending against, I'm not sure James Cook goes crazy in the receiving game. We know the rushing game can be there. So I'm going to go over in the rushing yards more so than the combined total there. You've got a spot where they're hopefully they're thinking they're going to be leading as a favorite at home here. You've got Legarius Sneed likely on Stephon Diggs. There's options in this Kansas City back or secondary. They can really limit what the Bills do. If you take out Stephon Diggs, which we kind of expect them to do, the tight ends are hit and miss. I'm on Kincaid this week, but you don't know exactly what you're getting there. So give me a – I think there's some value to be had in the running game because of what Josh Allen does. So much of that is already baked in. His rushing props up there. His anytime touchdown is up there. I think James Cook, a little bit of a forgotten man, even though, like you said, Kayla, he's been uber productive over the last month and a half. Okay. I get all that about the passing game. I'm a little, uh, yeah, I'm very interested in Khalil Shakir in this game. He has at least three catches in four consecutive games. He has at least one reception of at least 16 yards in four straight games. So maybe something Shakira-related as far as this matchup against the Chiefs. I, I like that again. You're on a roll with these sharp takes. I like this spot because if we think that Diggs is going to be shut down by Snead, which I think most of us do at this point, Diggs has been a shell of himself for a month yep. going on two now. And then Gabe Davis is just all over the place. I understand he had the big game against the Chiefs in the playoffs not that long ago, and that's fresh in everybody's mind. But Gabe Davis isn't a volume target earner. If anything, he's catching a big play or two. I think Shakir's got a little bit more to him in terms of earning targets. We saw him catch all six of his targets in the season finale against the Dolphins. I mean, over his last four games, he hasn't put a single target on the ground, 16 for 16, and that sort of efficiency is what you like to see. I mean, that's what drives this offense. That's what keeps Mahomes off the field. So I I like where you're going there. I'd be more likely to bet reception props with him than receiving yards because if they're going to get him involved, it's going to be those short passes in hopes that he can try to break one. And he might, but he might not. If he – if they're going to be that efficient with him, they're going to try to get him the ball in space. That could cash our reception prop regardless, and hopefully he breaks one, like you said, over a 16-yard catch in four straight games. So if that continues, the over in yardage is going to hit too, but I'll go receptions over yards for Shakir this week. I said that I was getting in the weeds here, and maybe this isn't the best game to bring it up because it's so tough to kick in Orchard Park. But Harrison Butker, he's a very good kicker, over-under sitting at 6.5 total kicking points. Tyler Bass, over-under 6.5 kicking points here. Uh, so maybe I'll just back, back it up a bit and say, is there anything in the kicking special teams market that is catching your eye? It's funny. I'd actually go the unders in that game. I mean, given the numbers you listed there, you're looking at a field goal and three or four touchdowns. And these offenses aren't going to settle for multiple field goals, not in the freezing cold. I'm in upstate New York right now as we're taking this call. It is cold here. It is very cold in the Buffalo area. That is no fun to kick a football. And these are, like, if you can put a kicker in a tough condition or you can pull out Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, I don't think there's going to be a lot of field goals here. 
And given the total sitting at 45, 46, depending where you look, I don't think there's going to be a ton of scoring in this game. I'm not sure either team gets the 30 points. So if you don't have either team kicking multiple field goals, this kicker is going to have a hard time hitting that number. Kyle Soppy, Pro Football Network, pfnbetting.com. Follow all of their work over there. Uh, before we let you go, is there anything that we haven't discussed? Anytime touchdown score, passing yards, receiving yards, rushing yards, defensive numbers, special teams that you like for this awesome divisional weekend ahead? Yeah, I want to run it by through you guys here because I saw this one prop, and it just doesn't make sense to me. And I keep asking people, and they keep giving me the same answers here, and maybe I'm just crazy here. But the highest scoring game for this weekend, there's four games. The highest scoring game this week, I think, is the Bucks and the Lions. It's the only game that doesn't have a top seven yards per play defense involved in it, and it's the second favorite. It's not even the favorite. It's going off of more than two to one in all the books. What do you guys think? Do you think that that's going to be the highest scoring game? Do you think it's Green Bay, San Fran? That's got the highest over under, and that's the favorite on the board right now. I'm not sure I agree with that. Yeah, I would maybe say Green Bay and San Francisco, but there could be rainy conditions there. We do know that the Lions game is in a dome. So that's a good thing to start with. Yeah, and for me, yeah, I mean, you know, a- looking at that secondary for the Lions here, you guys touched on it on the prop market stuff uh, for the Bucks that there could potentially be uh, some some big time plays given up in that game for the for the Bucks. And as you touched on it, Baker cooking, and then the Lions side of things, uh, they use a ton of motion. The Bucks have kind of struggled in some motion type situations, so it could be. Uh, and if you also kind of consider it being a track meet in the first half, the Lions and the Rams, and they kind of really bogged down there in the second half though but uh potentially yeah that's that's the game that would be the track meet yeah i mean i i'm gonna be on that prop and to your point i i don't disagree that the packers and 49ers game could get up and get going but it's to me it's far more likely in that game that the 49ers could hold the packers under 14 points so if you're looking at 10 12 13 whatever points for the packers it's going to be hard for that game to be the highest scoring on the board i would be shocked if either the Lions or the bucks was held under 20 points so that gives you all sorts of upside. I'm in on Lions-Bucks to be the highest-scoring game of the weekend. Kyle, we always appreciate you taking time with us, especially on Divisional Weekend here. Let's have a fun weekend and looking forward to talking to you next week. Let's have a week. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Once again, he is Kyle Soppy there, Pro Football Network, pfnbetting.com.